This is Hypercritical, a weekly talk show ruminating on exactly what is wrong in the world of Apple, related technologies, and businesses. Nothing is so perfect that it can't be complained about. The show is hosted by John Syracuse, and by me, I'm Dan Benjamin. Today is October 28th, 2011. This is episode number 40. We would like to say thanks to our two sponsors today, tinyletter.com and squarespace.com. We'll tell you more about those as the show goes on. Hey, John, how are you doing this week? Pretty good. I'm bummed that our guest isn't here. Yeah, we, we, you had, uh, do we even want to talk? Do we want to talk about it or? No, we just said we were supposed to have a guest. We were going to have uh, a spe- very special, very special guest. Very special guest. But he's not here. We waited. So, we waited a little while, and uh, he didn't. He didn't show up. Yeah, maybe he got time zones confused. Could I don't be. Know. Who knows? I'll hopefully, you know. Now I'm. Now I'm starting to worry. Now I'm just. Now I just hope he's all right. That's all. Asleep. I care. Well, if that's all it is, then that, that's uh, that's merely rude. And being injured or something would not be good. We'll see. But anyway, I had prepared to do a show with a guest today, so all my notes that I'm looking at are all about things that we would have discussed with the guest. Uh, but I've got enough. Are you sure? In the back of my mind, yeah. I added, I added links all week long, been adding links to the, to the notes. I know, I, I moved a bunch of them out before the show because I thought they would, uh, the ones that weren't relevant to the guest. But as, uh, as your hero C-3PO says, how rude. No, I save them, I don't have to delete, well, I delete said, them, move but them I save out. them in my own little file first. Move them out. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to lose the, the URLs, right? So I just copy and paste them into another document so I can add them back next week. Okay. But, you know, you know, when I was listening to the other shows this week, I was thinking, boy, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but we've got the guests. So I was like, I'll just save it for next week. But now I guess we have a chance to uh, talk about it. Yeah. So the ones I wanted to talk about were, and you can pick, we can talk about Apple and TV stuff for the umpteenth time, or we can talk about the Steve Jobs bio. I, uh, I have not completed reading the bio. And neither have I. So I, and uh, John Gruber on his show, on the talk show, uh, has essentially said that uh, he would like to, you know, not, he doesn't want to talk about it until he's completed it. I kind of feel the same way. I, I feel like unless and until we've read it and maybe given the audience a chance to read it also, because the book is, it, for most people, Especially if you ordered the hardcover book, which of course I did, uh, and I haven't, I haven't, I know some people like our, our mutual friend uh, Jason Snell. You know, he he got the Kindle edition so he could start reading it instantaneously the the moment it was released on the twenty fourth, which was Wednesday, uh, and uh, and and then of course ordered the hardcover so he could switch to that. I did not do that. Is that what you did, or do you have the hardcover or just the digital? I haven't been reading paper books since like two thousand and two, so yeah, I've had the digital version. So you want to wait until everybody has finished it? That's all. I feel, I feel like I feel like we have to. I feel like we need to at least give them a chance, you know. And, let right. it, and then even after they're done, even if there are people who are like, "I don't need a chance. I'm ready right now." Well, fine. Let it gel in your mind. Then consider this to be an incubation period for you to form your opinions. Of course, by then, like all the other shows, may have talked about the book, and everyone is bored of it by the time we get to next Friday. But I will have my say. So, well, perhaps what I could do is I could have, and I, I've. You know, I'd have to run this by the other guys, but maybe I could do a, a show where we all talk about it, where it's just a, 
a special show, we can all come together and talk about it. <laughs> the scheduling logistics of that are easy. We just do it on Friday when you're sitting, uh, sitting at home. Yeah, well, if they all want to do that, although that could be a lot of people talking about it. But anyway, so that, that means you want to talk about uh, Apple TV today instead. I think we have to. All right. Well, actually, I should go back to let me pull up my, my larger notes file and look to see if we have any follow-up because I had excised all the follow-up too because if we're going to have a guest, I don't want to you know, waste time doing yeah. follow-up. Hmm. hmm. Do we have in follow-up? Not much stuff, actually. I had something that I didn't investigate much, but that someone sent along, I'll put it in the show notes, was a, uh, remember we talked about iCloud a couple weeks ago when I was talking about the philosophy that I was surmising, the iCloud philosophy that I was sort of uh, inferring from the things I knew about it and the things said at WWDC. It's not like a stated goal of, of Apple as far as I know, but just looking at how the API works and how it differs from Mobile Me, I was saying how they don't want uh, it to be like the Mobile Me syncing where you have like, resolving conflicts and that whole infrastructure. They just want to not bother you with as many questions as possible and just keep uh, multiple versions. And if they make the wrong choice on your behalf, at least you can rewind and go back to the previous version. So someone sent me a screenshot of pages running on the iPad. Uh, and unfortunately, it's French. Uh, so I don't know exactly what the dialogues say. But it shows the... Uh, I guess it's the pages document screen. I haven't tried pages on the iPads. I don't even know what screen this is. And it's uh, the, the screen behind it shows a bunch of pages documents and a bunch of pages folders where it shows like a bunch of little squares inside of a bigger square, kind of like the folders on the, on the springboard screen. And in front of it is a modal dialog box that's asking you to resolve a conflict. And it shows two choices with like dates under them. And it says something about the modifications are not synchronized. Choose the document that you want to save. This is me translating from my high school French. Right. <laughs> you know, sure. Someone else can look at the screenshot and I'll, I'll paste it into the chat room so people can take a look for themselves. So here is an actual dialog box prompting you to, you know, which one of these documents do you want to save? Now, I don't know how this thing occurred. Uh, and it seems like it's a dialogue produced by the Pages application, unlike, say, MobileMe, where there was a system-wide conflict resolution thing that would be launched by the, the sync services process. So presumably, this is something that individual applications can provide. Like, if they call the cloud APIs and they find they're about to pull a document that's newer than the one you have, but the one that you have has been modified since it was last synchronized, maybe it'll pop up this document. So I can't tell if that's, like, you know, an expected part of an iCloud application or just an individual choice that the pages developers made regarding iCloud. But anyway, it's the first time I have seen uh, in practice or in screenshot a conflict resolution dialogue for iCloud. So apparently they are not totally gone. Let's see what else we have for follow-up. Um, I do actually have follow-up on Apple TV, but that's going to be our topic today, so we don't need to talk about that. Um... I don't want to talk more about flu stuff. I, <laughs> we did that. We continued yeah. again. A lot of feedback about the, the, stuff, right? about the, the flu. Here's the problem with the, with the flu stuff. The, the meta problem. Uh, I think there, there are so many what I and many other people would consider crazy opinions about vaccines and in particular and medicine out there on the net, right? I mean, we've all read 
all sorts of things about that. Even just, you know, people follow U.S. politics with the Michelle Bachman and the HPV vaccine and all that business. And then there's the the vaccine. I don't know what you call them, but the people like Jenny McCarthy and stuff who think the vaccines are harmful to our children and the government shouldn't be forcing us to have them. That, that whole thing, right? Uh, and everything, you know, in between and in the extremes of that on the Internet. So now I think whenever anyone discusses anything that touches on one of those issues, it's easy for the people listening to imagine that what they're hearing is one of those crazy opinions because those crazy opinions do, you know, they get people worked up, right? Yeah. And so if you talk about something else, like you're just talking about shoes, people and say you say something that could conceivably be misinterpreted to mean that you think shoes are magic and help you levitate if they're brown, <laughs> but only if you wear them on Wednesdays. No one is going to make that jump to that conclusion because that's ridiculous, right? Uh-huh. But if there was a big meme on the internet about brown shoes letting you levitate on Wednesdays and it was just everywhere and you kept telling these people, look, brown shoes don't let you levitate on Wednesdays, people. You're, you're, hunk. you know, this makes no sense. They don't make you levitate. And they're like, oh, it's a government conspiracy. They do let you levitate. That's why they won't let you wear brown shoes. You know, if that was a big thing on the internet, it would be very difficult to discuss shoes without somebody saying, wait, are you saying that brown shoes help you levitate on Wednesdays? Because it's a thing they've heard elsewhere, right? So I think the problem with talking about the flu stuff is that no matter what we say on the topic, someone will assume that what they're hearing is one of those crazy things that they've heard. Uh, and now the reverse is also true. If I was to actually talk about vaccines, which I won't, uh, other than the flu shot, apparently, uh, people who are like, you know, in the Jenny McCarthy anti-vaccine camp would probably jump on me and tell me I'm crazy and blah, 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 because I, I don't agree with them, right? And if that happened, if we got a bunch of reader mail from people who were like uh, anti-vaccine, I would be okay with that. I'd be like, you know, I, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, that's what I expect to get because I actually do disagree with their position and, uh, you, you know, so I would just accept that. But instead, what we're getting on the flu shot stuff are angry emails from people who I agree with, who think what I'm saying is something they don't agree with. I don't think it's possible for me to resolve that. So I'm going to say to all you people out there who believe in science and medicine, I agree with you. <laughs> so you can stop emailing me and, and, and thinking that I might, if I accidentally implied or said something that made you think I don't, that was a mistake. I'm sorry that I implied that. I'm, if, I'm, if I misspoke, if I said something that made you think that, I, don't, I agree with you. For the people who are on the opposite side, I really do disagree with you and you continue to send me angry email if you want, but we really haven't been getting that. So that's, that's what, that's the, I'm not going to discuss the substance of it because I think with two shows worth is enough, but the, the meta issue here is once some topic gets enough uh, extreme opinions on both sides of it, even the people you agree with will be uh, inclined to jump on you if, if they, if it seems like you are not very accurately and adamantly and completely denying the extreme points of view. So I think that's what's been happening with the flu issue, flu shot thing, which I don't want to discuss further, but I just wanted to discuss this larger issue. I'm just glad you got your flu shots. I have still haven't gotten mine. I usually I get mine through work and they send out a little thing. It says, hey, we're going to have flu shots, sign up, blah, blah. And they haven't sent out their thing yet this year. Uh, and I look through the past years. I'm like, when have they done this? And they've done it pretty late in past years. So maybe they just haven't gotten to it yet. But the, mm. the family's gotten them. Well, I'm just glad you haven't got your flu shots. <laughs> Relieved. <laughs> That's what they're going to send. Now you should get the angry email. 
All right. Apple TV. Apple TV. So, recently, in the news, as a result of this book coming out, uh, you have a, a Steve Jobs quote that uh, I, I read. We read this on one of the other shows. The interview was talking to Steve Jobs about television, the TV. And the quote was something like, I finally cracked it in reference to how to create the ultimate Apple TV experience that Steve Jobs has done it. He has cracked it. And of course this, I don't know when the date of that particular interview where he said that was because this book is a collection of something like 30, 40 interviews over years. So we don't, I, I personally, I don't know. Do you know when that quote actually was like dated, whether that was a, a month before he passed or, or a year? Do we know? No, and that's another complaint I would have about the book if we were discussing the book, which we're not. But no, there was not not good footnotes and not good citations to be able to... He obviously you know, didn't, didn't, did not use Markdown either. Because <laughs> that makes know, maybe footnotes maybe. very easy. Yeah, so the, the quote I actually pulled out, I just pulled this from a webpage, not from the book itself, but I assume it is accurate. I don't know why people misquote the book. This is a Steve Jobs speaking. It says... I'd like to create an integrated television set that is completely easy to use. It would be seamlessly synced with all of your devices and with iCloud. So presumably that quote comes from after the point when iCloud was public, I guess, because why would he tell his biographer? Maybe he would tell his biographer if iCloud was uh, still in the work. You know, it hadn't been announced yet. Would he tell this biographer guy? Would he mention iCloud? But so that, that's Steve Jobs uh, saying that. The... <laughs> I want to approach it. So Marco talked about it a lot, and then Gruber sort of replied to what Marco was saying. Uh, and a lot of the issue, uh, uh, there's two parts of the issue. One has been discussing, is Apple going to make a television set, which is what the current hot rumor stuff for the past month or two has been, like an actual TV set? Or are they going to continue to make a thing that you attach to the television? And the second issue is, regardless of which one of those things they do, what's the point? Like, what does this thing do? for you uh how they're going to deal with content like why how is it going to be different than a right presumably apple's not going to make a television that's exactly like uh, you know a samsung or a panasonic television so they're going to do something with it right and also presumably something different in some way than the current apple tv are there going to be applications this is just going to be like the current apple tv but faster with more content deals and all you know all sorts of speculation like that and I, I don't know if I ever discussed this, but Marco went over most of the points uh, about why Apple would probably not be interested in making a television set. To summarize what he said is like, you know, people don't buy television sets that often because they're big expensive purchases. A lot of people have just bought a television set because, you know, they're converting from non-HD to HD television sets. Uh, and the Apple TV didn't have a lot of penetration when it was like 400 bucks. But when they dropped it to 99, it really started to take off. So, like, Apple seems to be on the, hey, you know, we can get some traction if we make this thing cheap. Uh, all those are reasons why they wouldn't want to make an actual television set. Uh, and t- to that, I would add that Apple it really doesn't have much to add to the set television set part anyway. They would be like, well, you know, they're not, they don't make this stuff anyway. They license all this. All their screens are licensed from some other manufacturer. Presumably, they'd have to license their television innards from you know whoever like they buy the ipad screens from i think lg or you know i don't know who i don't know who makes their screens for all their stuff but someone else makes apple doesn't make these apple doesn't even design them 
they design the cases and often oftentimes they design the circuit boards and even uh, perhaps the analog circuitry that goes inside them. But the actual LCD panels or plasma or whatever they use for a TV come from another company. And most of those companies make television sets. So LG makes television sets. Sure. I don't know if LG makes PCs. Uh, maybe they do. But it's kind of one of those relationships where if you're buying from Samsung, oh, they have the same situation with Samsung. They buy, you know, the systems on chips from Samsung. They used to buy memory from Samsung, uh, you know, flash memory and, and RAM chips and all sorts of stuff like that. But Samsung also makes phones that compete with Apple's phones. But it's the same situation with television. You'd be like, well, you know, you you got to buy your panels from somebody and then you'll package them up and you'll sell them as televisions. But really, Samsung is going to be making more money by selling the television set itself than Apple, presumably, if they were just competing on like just like making an actual plain old television set with a tuner and you know, no special sauce or anything like that. Because Samsung is going to give Apple a higher price than it gives itself when it makes its own television sets. So it seems like that would be something that Apple would only add if they thought you couldn't do the product without it. Like there was some uh, compelling reason for them to do it because it's not like that with, oh, by making the television set, we'll make so much more money uh, rather than just making the box because you can, you can get more margins on the box, putting that big expensive item in there that that big expensive item that you were going to have lower margins on than the Samsung. We're talking about the panel itself. Samsung will have lower margins on its panels or higher margins in its panels than you will because Samsung is going to charge you more. Mm-hmm. Then it charges its own TV makers. So there'd have to be some reason to put it in there. Uh, and finally, what's this person's name? I keep saying it's splatf.com. Splat is the splatf. The the uh, slang, this person's slang name for the command key symbol. Mm-hmm. I always used to call it squiggly when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> but splat, squiggly, etc. It's uh, all this. We're all it's, we're amenable to everything. Yes. So this is Dan Fromer Fromer. Uh, who has recently gone off on his own and made his own site, and this is splatf.com. He did an article that I was, I had been thinking about this for a long time, like, you know, well, people keep talking about a television set, but no one has done, no one has done an article that says, why would they make a TV instead of a little box? So he did an entire article that's just about the reasons that Apple might make a, an actual television set instead of just a box. I don't think he's trying to say this is what they're going to do, or... These reasons are so compelling that they're they're certain to do it. But the rumors, the rumors are like, hey, we have rumors of an Apple television. And, you know, kind of like we got all those rumors about the the wedge-shaped larger iPhone. There were just so many of those that at a certain point, everyone's like, well, that's going to happen because everybody's saying it. They're making cases. It's going to be a wedge-shaped iPhone. And, you know, not so much, right? Well, the Apple television set rumors have been around, gone in a couple of year cycles. I think last year, the year before that, it, these... These Apple television set things come around. Some You'll see one pundit will put something up and say, I've got inside info and I'm absolutely certain that Apple's making a TV and then maybe it'll get a little momentum and then the event will come and go and there's no TV and people forget about it. And that recycles every couple of years. So we're in another one of those upswing cycles where people are reporting that they have inside information that Apple's going to make a television. This is compounded by the quotes we just talked about from the, the biography where he's like, I finally cracked it. I figured out this TV thing, you know, and, and the uh, the quote that I just read, which was like, an integrated television set. This is Steve Jobs' words. When he says television set, he's he's a, was an older person. He means an actual TV. He doesn't. If he meant a little box like Apple TV, he would have said that. He, he's using language that says an actual television. Uh, so Dan Farmer's set of reasons why they might actually make a whole TV, and and they're they're more or less the reasons I was thinking. I was just nice to have someone lay them out. I like the fact that he laid them out, not as a not trying to convince anybody. He's just like, you know, let's put two columns here. Reasons they would make a TV and reasons they wouldn't. And he's filling in the column of reasons they would. And all of his reasons, I think, are good. 
Uh, so the first one is that I'll just read the headings and summarize them. Is that Apple sells complete experiences, not devices, right? Now, this is kind of a weak reason because everything he's got in there, you can say, well, that, well, then why did they ever sell the Apple TV? You know, you want to just have one one thing, one widget, not a bunch of things that you plug together and something that attaches to something else that's not made by them. Apple really wants to have the entire experience of, of watching television, uh, you know, be seamless and having to attach something to your existing thing through some cable and make sure you have the adapter and find a place to plug it in. And now you've got a second remote and stuff. That's not the Apple, but, you know. On the, on the other column of that, you know, they've got the Apple TV, which is exactly like that. So clearly they're not going to not do that. Uh, they've shown that they'll do the other way. Um, the next one is that Apple wants to be the primary interface. So he's going through, you know, the current Apple TV is like input two on your television. You know, to, to, to make it work, you've got to hit the input button on your television remote. And your television remote did not come to you from Apple. It's from whatever company makes your television or maybe the universal remote that you bought yourself. And you switch the input to tell your big monitor TV screen things. They switch to this input, and this input is the Apple TV. Uh, and Apple TV with Apple is nice. They want that to be input two because right now most people, for input one, it's your cable box or your satellite box or whatever your quote-unquote normal television is. Uh, assuming you still have a cable or, or a satellite subscription, which most people do, the vast majority of people, when they turn on their television, the default, the input number one is their satellite box. And if it's on some other input... That's like, you know, it's, I left it on the, the Blu-ray player input, so switch it back to normal TV, and that's what they mean by that. Well, Apple wants you to turn on the thing and have it be the Apple interface right away, right? So that's, you know, one remote that's just the Apple remote, and you can say, well, what, what if I just stick my Apple TV on input one? Isn't that the same thing? Well, no, they want, they want to change what the default is, where when you watch TV, quote-unquote, you're watching... At, you're in an Apple experience and only the other things like, oh, now I want to watch a blueberry. I'll switch it to that. And they would hope that you would, I guess, get rid of your cable or, or subscription or have it as an alternate thing or whatever. Uh, and you can only really do that like be what, re, what uh, he calls input zero if you make the television set. Because then all that stuff is built in. It's not something else plugged in, right? So you can just sort of hard code it as, uh, as you know, input zero in your thing because I guess Ethernet would go into the back or whatever, but that's not an input like HDMI. So, you know, other you could have another HDMI input maybe for your cable box and stuff, but the Apple TV would be in the TV. And when you turn it on, that's what you get. Uh, Apple sells tightly integrated hardware, software, and services. So th this gets into, talks a little bit about the Siri thing, which has been another rumor. I know we talked about it many, many shows ago, but that's been picking up speed where people are talking, thinking about how Siri might work with the television and getting to some of the same issues we discussed about, all right, well, how do I, how do I make myself heard while I'm sitting on the couch to the TV this way across there? Do I talk to a microphone? And what about like FaceTime? Is there going to be a camera? Am I going to take a little eyesight type camera and plug it into the back of a TV and put it on top and then have a little microphone or another wire? That's all very un-Apple-like. What's Apple-like is, you know, like an iMac or an Apple cinema display where the mic's built in, the camera's built in, it's an HD camera, you know, you that's what you would expect from an Apple television experience. All that stuff would be built in. You'd be able to sit on your couch with your Apple remote and do whatever it is you need to do and be able to like FaceTime chat with people. However, they have to have that work. Is it a Bluetooth mic that you stick somewhere in the room? Is it a directional mic that points at you and follows you wherever you are? Does the camera move? Is the camera built? It? You know, but it's an integrated experience like their monitors and like the iMacs are not a bunch of dongles because you do start to have to have a bunch of dongles, like kind of like the Wii with the sensor bar on top and, or the connect with another box that you put, you know, lots of wires and boxes and, th and sensors to try to make what we imagine to be the potential Siri Apple TV experience to get that to work.
Um, and the, the next bit is that despite what I said about Apple not getting, uh, uh, having the big panel added to your television set, uh, having that not add to your your uh, margins in itself because once you add the panel you have to pay for the panel from a vendor and you can only put you know a certain amount of margin on top of that panel to make up the money that you lost by giving samsung or lg or whatever the profit they got right but the other side of that coin is that by making the device much more expensive obviously an apple television set is not going to cost 99 dollars. it's going to be a thousand two thousand you know it's going to cost what a big television set costs by, and once you get up into the higher price range, uh, sort of a magical thing happens. You can see this when you go to buy a car. Like when you go into the car dealership, you're haggling over price and you will find yourself dismissing a difference in price that uh, an absolute value is you would care very much about if the item itself was a lower price just because it's a lower percentage. So you'll be like, you know, 500 here, 500 there, not a big deal, right? When you're buying a car. If you're buying a computer, they say, do you mind if we add $500 to this price? Assume computers are something you could haggle with like cars. You'd be like, what? No, I mean, you can't add 500 Like, As the amount you're haggling about becomes a, a larger and larger percentage of the whole purchase, it starts to make you object to it more. So by increasing the price massively from $99, Apple can get away with increasing its margin simply by charging more. So... You know, say their margin, or, or you know, the, even if it's the same amount, say its margin is is twenty five, thirty percent. Thirty percent of two thousand is way more than thirty percent of a ninety nine dollar box. And I think they can get away even more than that. I think they can actually boost their margin simply by increasing the margins on the more expensive product, like they do with the Mac Pros, because people's minds work that way. They'll say, "Well, it's already a two thousand dollar TV set, and it was a hundred dollars here or there." Where if you what's a hundred dollars here or there on a ninety nine dollar Apple TV, it's doubling the price, and people flip out, even though it's the same exact one hundred dollars. It's just not how uh, pricing psychology works with people. So not only can they get bigger margins just simply because thirty percent of two thousand is more than thirty percent of ninety nine, I think they can get thirty one, thirty two percent because people don't notice that difference on on a you know on a larger purchase. And as I've pointed on the show many times. The whole notion of is Apple a hardware company or is Apple a software company? It's a meaningless statement, but what we can do is look at their their balance sheet and say, how does Apple make its money? It makes its money by selling hardware. The software business, the media business, selling apps, selling songs, selling movies, renting things, all of that makes them a little tiny bit of money. Some of it is kind of like break even, a little bit of profit. But their meat and potatoes is the margins they make by selling you hardware products. So if they can find a way to sell people another set of $2,000 products with their usual margins or possibly higher, that's, that's great for them. I think that Apple, even though it likes the fact that it's selling more Apple TVs for 99 bucks, it doesn't want to sell, you know, they would much rather sell you thousands and thousands of $500 iPads than an equal number of $99 Apple TVs. Hmm. It wants to sell you expensive items if it can. And, And recently it's, this has been a problem with all vendors. Like the PC makers have been really screwed because they used to sell you computers for a thousand dollars, and then just the race to the bottom is now like the the average selling price for a, a PC laptop is well below a thousand dollars, whereas Apple's average selling price for its laptops is usually above a thousand dollars. So they've been holding the line there, but everyone has been dropping, right? Uh, but people are still going to Best Buy and spending eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand dollars for a TV, right? So here's here's a product that has not come. People aren't going into Best Buy and buying 50 inch televisions for three hundred dollars. It's just not happening. Televisions are simply a more expensive product, and people are buying them because they're upgrading their old TVs to HD TVs, and they want a big TV set, right? 
So no matter how cheap, you know, if you go to the Vizio, you know, bottom of the line, as cheap as you can possibly get it, really horrible looking uh, LCD television set, people still want 50 inches. And that's going to cost you close to $1,000, $600, like the cheapest one you could possibly get. And once you go up to like 60 inch or 70 inch or the people who want to see the football on the big screen, you just, you're over a thousand. There's no way to avoid it. There's, you can't sell them for less than that right now. So televisions are potentially a way for, for Apple to increase the average selling price of the products that it sells. And if it maintains margins or increases them, uh, which I think it can, uh, they, that will that'll be a big boon to their business. Now, so that's the, these are all the cases for why you might, might want a television set. The cases against are, are, you know, Marco covered them pretty well. And I think they're pretty strong. It's like, People, people don't turn over their TVs like they turn over their cell phones or, or, you know, or like they turn over their Macs or anything like that. People just, it's like, it was like a piece of furniture and people still treat it that way. You know, they buy it, it sits in their house and you don't get a new one unless you're unhappy with the one you have because it's too small, uh, because it's not HD, because it breaks. Uh, but these things tend to last a long time. Now, cell phones used to be Cell phones were never that bad. Cell phones used to be you'd buy it, you wait for your contract to be up, and you get a new phone, and the contract's for like two years. But that's still way more frequently than people replace the televisions. Like, how many televisions have you owned in your life? Trying to think. I mean, half dozen? Really? That's way higher than mine. You've owned six televisions? In my whole life, including the ones my parents bought? Not when you were a kid. Like, you yourself. Like, when you you move out of your parents' house, and your first TV is. Well, I would say maybe three or four. Yeah, and so and how many Macs have you owned during that oh, same time? Forget how many, how many computers? I got twelve in here now. I have thirteen. I have no idea. Hun- not hundreds, but dozens. And how many cell phones? See, now you're making me try to remember things that I can't try to block out. Like, well, did you did you uh, did you change your cell phone every time you're? Oh, you're you're a non-contract person, so I don't know. Maybe you're different, but. I used to, back in the days when I used to do contracts, it, the minute that contract is up, I was out of that old phone. The, the yeah, minute. But during that time, the phones have gotten better. So even, much better. Yeah. But so and I now, mean, lots and lots and lots of cell phones. And of course, Apple has changed that habit among super nerds by, you know, every time they come up with a new iPhone, the super nerds want one. And even if, even if you're being responsible and you say, okay, well, I'll hold off and I'll just wait till my contract is up. As soon as your contract is up, you're changing from, you know, your 3GS to a 4S because that's a huge upgrade so apple has actually accelerated that right uh the televisions for me i bought one television when i was you know i graduated college got married and got a television set for myself and that was like six hundred dollars uh, back in the, the late 90s right i used that television i'm until maybe four years ago when i bought a friend's television uh, from a used television for a hundred bucks so that was my second television both those were standard def. Both of them are Sony Trinitrons. And then I had been planning the HD upgrade for a long time. And then I finally pulled the trigger to buy an HD television. So I've owned three televisions in, in my independent adult life. And the number of Macs during that time, again, is, you know, seven, eight, nine. I don't know if I even want to count my, my wife's Macs. And I'm not even counting used Macs that I bought at the MIT swap and stuff. You've owned with that Andy, the MIT swap. I am a big MIT swap fan. And I, I've gone there for years. I used to go there and I used to see him there before I actually knew him uh, because he, you know, he had the hat on and stuff or whatever. I never actually said hi to him. But uh, now that we know each other, we have not actually seen each other at the swap. I, I had to stop going because I had to, I mean, kind of for the same reason that he found a way to, to, de- to, to, he found a coping mechanism, which was he will just take photographs of the items. But 
a certain point I had to stop because every time I went, I would come home with carloads of stuff and my attic just started to fill up. And so I had to cut myself off. So I, I only went like once or twice this season. Uh, usually I go and my friend is selling something because then you can get in early with the sellers. That's a secret that he may, that he didn't mention. But if you really want to get something, either pay to sell something or become a friend with someone who's selling, but the sellers get in really early and then just go in with the seller as their helper person. And then you can browse while everybody's setting up. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I've got a lot of hardware from that. So the the television turnover rate is not uh, the habits people have for buying new televisions is not great for Apple because when Apple comes out with a new cell phone, there's a certain number of people turning over every two years just by even before they started to try to induce this eighteen month one year cycle. There are a lot of people whose contract is up. So when they introduced the first iPhone, Maybe people didn't break their contracts to get it. They took a wait and see. But the people whose contracts were up, they're like, hey, maybe I'll try this iPhone thing. right? But there's no contract for your television. So if you're introduced a television set, there's not people, there's not a two-year interval of people coming into the market for a new television. right? There is a market for people buying a new television, switching from HD, from non-HD to HD. But I don't know where we are in that transition. Certainly among Apple's best consumers, like the, the early adopters and the people who want the best Apple stuff. And you know, people who own Apple stuff, I would imagine they either don't watch television at all or they already have HD television. So I don't think they can introduce a television set and and expect that there will be a big market of people who are like, well, I was looking for TV anyway, so I'll check out this Apple thing. Because among their customers, we've all already got HD TVs. And among regular people, there's just not that kind of turnover, right? So for a television set to, for Apple to release one and for it to get any traction at all in the market, it has to be something different than a plain television set. And I think it also has to be something different than the equivalent of taking the current Apple TV and jamming it up inside a television set. Because no matter how cool you make the television set, and, and this is the thing that burns me. Because I'm, you, we've did all the shows about television. I'm such a stickler for these little details of image quality, and I don't want any fans with, oh, Steve was with me on the no fan thing, so I have high hopes for an Apple TV there. But it, very specific about all, all the the image and input options and all that stuff, right? But Apple historically has, or at least in the past decade, has not been like the old Apple. The old Apple would say, what is the best color display technology current of, currently available in the entire world? That's what we're going to use to build our Apple monitors. Or even when the first laptop. We're going to make a laptop with a flat screen. What is the best flat screen available? Price is no object. So that's how you get the Mac Portable, which is the, the first quote-unquote portable Macintosh is like 16 pounds with a lead-acid battery in it. I actually have one of those in my attic, by the way. They are monsters. And they put an active matrix display in it, which no one even heard of what active matrix was. It basically meant that the cursor and everything on it didn't have humongous ghost trails behind it. And it cost an arm and a leg. And the Mac portable, I forget what the price for it was, but it was astronomically more expensive because that's the way they used to do things. Apple hardware used to be, what's the best we can buy and still be able to sell it for less than the price of a house, I guess. <laughs> and we'll put that in. But the later Apple has been, well, we want good displays, right? But if there's a slightly better panel out right now that maybe Dell is selling or HP is selling or, you know, NEC or whoever those like high-end graphic artists, color calibrated, really expensive displays, like, well, we're not going to buy one of those because we think that's overkill. And if we did that, we'd have to sell our monitors for like four grand, kind of like a, who's the company that does the really expensive ones? Is it, is it NEC? NEC okay. I used to. I don't know how they compare price-wise anymore if they're still making them. 
you know, they sell consumer stuff, but they also sell like you are a graphics artist. Here's a super expensive one. Oh right yeah, now, for Apple's for like the like displayed. photographers who must have perfect color yeah. matching, and yeah, they, I think the NEC. We could ask Duncan, but I think the NEC is still the ki- the king in that space. And they come with they would come with the optical calibrator that you clamp onto the thing. Like that's right. the highest end display you can get. But Apple's like, no, that's not appropriate for our business. We want to sell to consumers, so they wa- Apple will want to get. The IPS displays, and I should put a Wikipedia page with the difference between IPS and PVA and all these other different technologies used to make LCDs. And they'll use the LED backlighting, right? So they'll try to they'll try to be like the eighty or ninety percent solution because they don't want to be the highest of the high end. Is that just that prices them out of the market? They want to have their monitors be in range. So the Apple twenty seven inch display is a thousand bucks. It looks really nice, but it is definitely not the best display panel you can buy. If you want to say I want the best twenty seven inch or roundabouts display panel I can buy. Apple doesn't sell it to you. So if Apple makes a television set, you're not going to... Whatever they make, first of all, I would imagine they would make it LCD just because that's what they're familiar with. They wouldn't go with plasma or something. But as discussed in previous shows, if you want the absolute best image quality in a non-projector television set, like in an actual direct view television set, plasma is still the way to go. And I don't think Apple would go with the plasma because of the power concerns, because of all you know the... the uh, the fact that it might need fans, the fact that their entire business and all their contracts have to do with LCDs, I would imagine they would go with an LCD television set and maybe LED backlighting, but I imagine it would be edge lit because they like the uh, the thinness. They don't. They wouldn't be the, the backlight wouldn't be directly behind it. It would be on the edges and reflected with mirrors, and that does make the sets thinner, which Apple likes. But it's not as good as direct backlighting. And there's the whole local dimming thing we discussed. So go back to listen to the whatever episode that was when we discussed television technology. Uh, but what I'm getting at is that if Apple came out with a television set, I, ignoring everything else that has to do with this television set, I would say, I would look at it and say that the picture quality of that television is not as good as other televisions I can buy for less money or even possibly even my, my current television set. Uh, and that's probably not a problem for most people. I just bring it up because it's an issue for people who are real sticklers about their television is that you think, oh, Apple TV is going to come out. It's going to, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an Apple television set. It's not going to be the best television set in terms of just picture quality that you can buy in the market. Either at the same price or even at a lesser price, you can get a better looking television set. Right? So there has to be something in this television set that's going to make people who aren't in the market for television to buy it. It's, it's not going to be because the image quality is so much better. It's not, we've made a breakthrough and this television looks better than every television ever sold. That's not going to be the case. 100% guaranteed it will not, right? It may look good. It'll be fine. It'll be better than most people's televisions. Uh, it'll also be more expensive than most people's televisions, but the high-end TV people aren't going to be on it. So what is it that's going to make me go out and buy this television set? Why, why do I need this thing in my life? Do you why feel, do like, do you feel like you know, know the answer? Well, well because, I, I because if you do, knows. if you do... We ought to do the sponsor first. All right, go for it. You've been on a roll for 38 minutes. Yeah. Squarespace.com. They've been on a roll for uh, for about seven years. Seven years of creating content management systems. They just came out with a new version of Squarespace that's not available to everybody. They're releasing, uh, releasing, I guess, the invites daily, though. But they've been working on this update for like a year and a half. But what is Squarespace? It's a fully hosted, completely managed environment for quickly creating a beautiful website managed from an interface. It's, a, it's like nothing else you've ever seen. They've opened up this beta, but you've got to check this out. Even if you don't care about the beta, don't worry about it because what they've already been building is pretty amazing. This is for anybody who wants to make an amazing website, bloggers, businesses, photographers, it doesn't matter. 
Their platform powers every site. It doesn't matter uh, who links to you, whether it's John Gruber or uh, or anybody else. They scale. There's nothing that you have to worry about. It's it, it is just it's kind of amazing. Uh, they have social integration, so you can connect to Twitter or, or Facebook if you must. They have built-in customizable photo galleries. Uh, they have an iPhone, iPad app. They've got an Android app now if you go that way. Uh, and you can do every anything. You can check your site. You can post to your blog. You can manage the comments. You can see the, the details, stats, all while you're on the go. It, it really is amazing. So you can try this. You can try it for 14 days, two weeks. It takes you 30 seconds. They'll import your old blog. You don't even have to pay them for any of that. Uh, but we have a special coupon code for you. You use it, you get 20% off for six months. Go to squarespace.com slash five by five. That's step one. Step two, when I ask you for the coupon code, it's emotion chip. All one word, emotion chip. 20%, six months, squarespace.com slash five by five. Just go there. You'll be supporting the show. Sign up. You'll be doing yourself a favor. That's my little slogan for them. They Am I eligible for that, that. Uh, of code as well? Is of course. That, is that someone who is actually on the show? You know, like it, and not that I'm an employee, but employees of the company can't participate. In You're not an, yeah. an employee. All right. So, you know, because I've check been looking, out. I'm still looking for something to replace my iWeb. Look no further. Posting. This this is the thing to do. And 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 if anybody needs an emotion chip, it's you. All right. No, absolutely. And it, that's, that's good. They discount. might even be able to do something more for you, but at the very least, you'll get that. That is, and it is a good discount. All right. So where was I? You were about to tell us. Oh, during the no, during the uh, when you're doing the sponsor, I get to look at the chat room a little bit, and a couple of people bring up 4K, uh, which is the resolution for. I think it's just for filming now, but anyway, you can you can film it. You know, he's got HD, so 1080p HD, right? That's the highest level that television sets go now. And finally, pretty much any television set you can buy, unless it's very small, hmm. it can do native uh, 1080p. But 4K is the next resolution step up. So it's like four times, I don't know, eight times as many pixels, four times as wide, four times as high. Uh, I always forget what 1080 is. 1080, the the height or the width resolution. Chat room will know this in a second. Uh, so anyway, uh, 4k is, uh, I think the height goes to 4k. Someone posted a link to the Wikipedia page. It says several different resolutions actually qualify as quote unquote 4k. So it's one of those terms that's not entirely, uh, you know, nailed down, but it's like four, 4,000 actually 4, 4k seems to be the width. It's 4,096 by 3,112 and, or by 4,096 by, 1714 there's all sorts of different aspect ratios and resolutions for 4k but the point is it's many many more pixels than 1080p and people doing digital filmmaking like making movies have been moving to 4k just because 1080p is kind of a low resolution if you're going to blow it up onto a 60 foot screen you know or like or even just a regular large not imax or anything but just a large rectangular regular movie screen 1080p it's kind of dotty if you think about it because we're all looking at monitors. If you have a 24-inch monitor or larger, you're, you know, you're looking at more than 1080p or at least exactly 1080p now. Imagine taking that monitor and putting it up in a giant movie screen. It starts to get a little bit, you know. So they want something that has high resolution. So 4K is, is the next standard that various cameras shoot in. And there have been television sets demoed to say, oh, we can display 4K natively. And some people are saying that if Apple wants to do some sort of display technology that is 
that's enough to make people say, oh, I'm going to buy this. Maybe they would be the first one with a mass market consumer 4K television. That, I think, is something the old Apple would do. The old Apple would say, you know, well, we're not just coming out with a laptop. We're coming out with a laptop whose screen is amazing. Look at, you know, you're sick of all that ghosting on your PC laptop. Look at this. No ghosting. It's called Active Matrix. And people will be blown away and willing to pay huge sums of money for it. I don't, I don't think at Apple today wants to sell millions and millions of items. There's no way they can sell millions and millions of 4K television sets. And, uh, and Apple doesn't even seem willing to offer that as a product. Like, you know, the, there's no reason that they couldn't have fielded more models of iPod, for example. Like by this point, they could say, well, you know, we'll introduce a new iPod that has a retina display or iPod, iPad that has a retina display, but it's going to be hugely expensive and it's just a high-end product. Apple just doesn't seem into that market these days. There's going to be this one iPad, everyone can buy it, and yes, we could make a more expensive version. They'd much rather push down. They'd much rather make a cheaper version. They'd much rather say, how cheap can we make the 16 gig model? How cheap, you know, without compromising quality, without making it crappy, without putting on a worse screen or stuff like that, but they want to drive the price down. They don't want to say, oh, and for the people who, we, who have disposable income for your tiny percentage, here's a super duper iPad. The most they'll do is, you know, here's a 64 gig model, but even that, like, they could have fielded a 64 gig model you know, or a 120, they could put a 128 gig, but there's plenty of room in that iPad to put in more memory chips, but they're just not interested in that. So I don't think they will come out with a 4K television set. So I don't think that will be their selling proposition. Now, the selling proposition, uh, I, was saying, you know, I was getting to before the break, what, what is it that's going to make anyone buy this thing? It has to be about content. It just has to be. Uh, and whether that content is applications, which is a valid differentiator, or just viewing content it has to be a different or better deal than you get with any of the existing solutions including the current apple tv uh, so first let's start with applications applications were were a big differentiator for phones like people bought why would you buy an iphone even obviously the first iphones didn't even have apps for it right but once that app thing came around the, I, the iphone really started to get rolling you know that there's an app for that thing you'd see you know people who don't know anything about apple didn't even know the first iphone came out by the time the app store came out for the iPhone, their friends would be showing, check out this app, look at this fart app, look at this thing, it looks like I'm drinking a cup of beer when I tilt my iPhone, isn't that awesome? Like, that, as stupid as it is, that really got the ball rolling on the, on the iPhone. It wasn't like, oh, it's a touchscreen interface and it's magical and bubble. Like, it, that's harder sell than your friends seeing some cool app that you have or a, or a dumb app that you have, just a fart app, anything, right? That gets the ball rolling, right? So if Apple could find some way to put applications on a television set and you went over to your friend's house, and instead of just watching TV, you had the ability to do app-like stuff on there. That could be a differentiator. The big problem, I think, is that nobody knows, and I think including Apple, how, how do you make apps work on a television set? <laughs> you can, you're not going to be putting your fingers on it, I can tell you that. You're not going to be standing in front of it, swiping at your television set, knocking it over behind the, uh, the entertainment center, getting fingerprints all over it, right? So how does that even work? And, and uh, Apple has not been so far a fan of older input methods. Like, th there's no reason that Apple couldn't have released a an official uh, Bluetooth-type device or something that plugged into the iPod, the, the, you know, something plugged into the dock connector that gave you an analog stick and buttons for gaming. Like, basically turned it into, like, a DS or, or a PSP, right? Because that would make a lot, a lot of games much easier. Oh, you don't have to touch the screen for this game. If it's a traditional game, here's a little D-pad, here's a little analog stick, here's some buttons, and now suddenly we've opened up the world of games. I said, no, it's touchscreen. We touchscreen games. If a third party wants to try to sell that stuff, finally we'll open up the, you know, you can, you can, third parties can now make this product. I think several of them do actually exist. 
But Apple is not endorsing it. And since it's such a small percentage of people with iOS devices who will ever buy that little D-pad thing, people aren't designing games for it. The games are designed for touch. So I don't think Apple would say, well, we can't figure out how to wait to do apps on this thing, so we'll just have a peripheral and it's like a directional pad or it's like the Wii mode and we'll build on the IR sensors or it's like the, the, the PlayStation Move and, and it's, you know, they'll track some sort of ball with a camera that we build in or some way to do stuff on that screen without touching it or, or just a regular controller like an Xbox controller like a Pippin or whatever because games are a big application. But if you can't touch a screen and you don't have a mouse and you don't have a keyboard, your choices are Basically, you know, what has everyone else done before in terms of how do you interact with a television without using one of those methods? And there's a whole menagerie of choices, and they've been getting better, but I don't think any of them are up to Apple's standards, and I don't think any of them would be so compelling that they would make applications great, that, you know, that, that you'd want to use apps on Because a lot of people have apps on TVs. Mine comes with some set of cruddy apps, and Samsung televisions have their own apps. Yeah. I think some people have app stores, but it's like, what do I do with this? What can If I just play games, like... Is it just like an Xbox or a Wii or a PS, you know, a PlayStation? No, well, that's kind of been done. It's not revolutionary. Does Apple want to enter that market? Do they want to make a game console? That's a whole other ball of wax. And if you did want to make one, are you going to build into the TV? You know, apps on the phone work because of the range of things you can do with them. Maps applications, the fart app, the, the silly games, new kinds of games, Angry Birds, flicking little birds over, right? You can do Angry Birds with a remote control. Up, up, down, pull back. Let, you know, that's not as fun, though. It's not... Angry Birds doesn't take off because of that. You don't want to sit down in front of your TV and do it. If you're going to sit down in front of your TV and play a game, you want it to be either fun for the whole family like the Wii where everyone can get a kick out of it and it, you know, it's it's something new and novel but we've kind of already done that with the Wii and all the other stuff. Or you want it to be like a, a, a game game for like the hardcore gamers and Apple's I don't think interested in entering that market because that market seems to be on, a, on the decline mostly because of Apple's touch games. So I don't quite see how apps are going to be the big selling point on the television unless they, they figure out the input issue. And we talked about Siri with Apple TV and stuff. That was an interface for watching television shows. And though that is a much more limited world of things. You're not, it's not like a game or an application or anything that you would use on an iOS device where you need like the full range of input and, and be able to tap on things and drag them and swipe them and, and enter text and stuff like that. Siri for Apple TV would only work because mostly what you want to do is tell it to put a show on and then you sit there and watch it tell it to pause tell it to resume whatever but the world of things you want to do the the, in, the, the numbers of interactions are much smaller uh not like using an app where you're constantly using it right and and the kind of apps where you're not constantly using it like book readers you're not going to read a book on your television right so i think apps are a good idea but not the kind of apps that we talk about when we talk about what made the the iphone so great not not games, not, you know, although there would be games, not fart apps because this is not interesting, not word processors, GPS map things. I don't know what, you know, all the kinds of apps that people use every day on their iPhones. It has to be a different kind of application, right? So the content side, the content, mostly what we're talking about is, so you want me to buy this thing uh, and presumably Apple's proposition would be buy this thing and stop paying for one of those things you're currently paying for. Stop paying for cable. Stop paying for satellite uh, because we're going to offer you the same stuff but in a more attractive package. And this gets to the stuff that John was talking about. Gruber was uh, talking about, you know, the whole model of there's a big stream of content coming to your house and you have to sit down in front of it and we decide when it, it's on. And if you want to subvert that, you can add another layer. This, that next layer is a Google TV or a TV or a DVR where Dream comes into the house 
and you buy this other device and this other service that watches that stream constantly and picks out the things that you want so that you can come up to it at a later point and watch stuff that has aired when you weren't there. Time shifting, right? Changing it from a big stream that you have to sit in front of at certain times to be an experience more like you picking and choosing what you want to watch. But it's, it's another layer on top of the existing service. And this, as we recall, episode number one of Hypercritical, this is what I so desperately wanted Apple to build. I still want them to build. I still want someone to build. It's a really awesome device that sits on top of all the content that I'm already paying for and changes it in a way that, that uh, will make me like it better. <laughs> I can watch it whenever I want. I can record two things at once. I can't watch two shows at the same time. I record four things at once with the TV Elite Premiere or whatever. I want to have a nice interface. I want it to be smart. I want it to say, hey, the U.S. Open is on. I want to see every match of that. Record the U.S. Open. I don't care what channel it's on. I don't care if it's on ESPN2 at night, but then it switches to CBS, and then there's a, the highlight show. Just record the U.S. Open. You know, oh, the Super Bowl's coming up. Record the Super Bowl. I want to sell that to Siri and have it record the Super Bowl, as opposed to what I do now, which is go to TiVo and search for NF. No, it's not NFL. S-U-P-E-R. Because <laughs> you never know what the hell they're going to call the show in the, in the listings. It's like, it's the Super Bowl. If there's one show in the United States that you're, you should have a big shiny red button in the menu, it should be record the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't, don't want to get into a TiVo rant again. But like there was a huge potential for people to do a device like that better. But then there was the D8 conference that I talked about in episode number one of the show in, in 2008 or something like that. When... Uh, when Steve Jobs was on stage and basically said, no, we're not going to make a box like that. Just came right out and said it. So I don't think there's any need to speculate about how oh, I don't think Apple would make one of those devices. He just came out and said it. No, we don't want to make one of those. Now, again, that was years ago and he's not with the company anymore. So they could change their mind. I desperately want someone to make one of those because I'm unhappy with the progress TiVo's are making uh, or lack of progress. Right. But Apple does not seem interested. They don't want to be a thing on top of the other stuff. It's kind of like if instead of the iTunes music store, they made... Uh, something like Radio Shift, where it was like a PVR for radio, where you attach it to analog or you know, hybrid digital radio or even like internet streaming radio, and it would watch the stream and record the songs you wanted, and then you could, you know... That's not what they made. They made the iTunes Music Store. They said, don't go to the music store anymore. We're not going to record the stream of music coming out of, the, out of your radio. We are going to replace those things with something we think is better. Whenever you want, come. You can sample the songs, you know, buy an individual song instead of buying an album, and it comes right from us. And we're not, we're not a front end for Sam Goody. We're not a front end for Tower Records. We are not, we're not buying from Tower Records and selling it through to you, right? And that's what, you know, that, that's what TiVo is doing. That's what Google TV is trying to do, you know, all those things. It's a layer on top. And I desperately want one of those for, for the reason we discussed before is that I want to see all those shows that are coming out of this stream that I buy. I subscribe to Fios, that's television, or you know, Comcast, or whatever I subscribe to. That's where all the content is. And if that's the only way I can get that content, then I, have, I would like a box to sit in front of it and to provide me, uh, you know, to, to make that better for me, right? Apple has been trying to circumvent that by saying, well, forget about that stream. Like, we will we'll sell you a box, and through that box, you can buy episodes or whole seasons of television shows. Okay, all right, so maybe, you know, some of them might not be on. Like, you can't watch them the night they're on. You got to wait till the next day. Sorry about that. And some things may not be on there at all, and some things may come and go, but we'll provide access to Netflix, and the Netflix is fighting with the content providers to say, oh, can, can we please provide this? A movie on streaming. Oh, you can't provide it on streaming until we've had the, the Blu-ray out for a year. Sorry. And, you know, it's just all these horrible content deals. But Apple's been trying to to get out from under them to try to give you a compelling reason not to have your regular television service anymore. But basically no one. And I'm sorry that Marco gets included and in, it gets it gets a rounded out due to statistical uh, anomalies. But in the grand scheme of things, 
in, in the United States, anybody, nobody gets rid of their cable just to use Netflix and stuff. Now, listeners of the show is probably a huge proportion of people said, I finally cut the cord. I finally, I love it when people say they cut the cord. I don't, I, I cut the cord. I don't have cable TV anymore. I just watch everything on Netflix. Well, I have bad news for you about where the Netflix come from. It comes from a cord, uh, right? often from the same company that you were previously paying for television. But anyway, the point is stop paying for your television subscription from satellite, from, from Comcast, from whoever, and just do the a la carte thing, whether that's Netflix streaming where you pay a monthly fee. You say, I'm happy to watch just whatever is on Netflix streaming. Uh, or you do, when I'm interested in a movie, I'll buy it from iTunes and watch it. People who can get by like that, that's great for them. And they, they, they find it much preferable to paying $60, $80 a month when instead they can pay you know, $20 or $30 just, just to watch the things they want when they want them. But for the vast majority of people, the content simply isn't there yet. And it isn't there for a good reason. It's not, it's not there because the content owners don't want it to be there because the whole value chain involved in delivering that to you through cable companies those deals are, you know, it's too much power in, in too few companies. Uh, and, and it also has to do with the fact that there's uh, as few cable companies there are, there's lots of regional differences. So there's not like one big hammer that you can bring down. Even cell phone networks are better where you basically just only got four big players in the U.S. But the number of cable companies in the U.S. is much larger than four. And in the whole world, it's even worse. So Apple's kind of dealt with that with, uh, with cell phones by partnering with eight bazillion different cell phone providers in every country. You know, the, the people in the U.S. just don't know R4, but there's millions of cell phone providers. So they've, they've dealt with that business uh, elsewhere. Well, it's even worse for, for television. And we just can't, you know, Apple and everybody, Netflix, everybody just cannot wrench control of that content from the people who currently make money from it because they don't want to give it up. Why would Comcast, you know, who, they're not going to say, oh, you, you know, whoever's got the contracts for airing NFL games or airing local Yankees games or whatever, they don't want to give that contract up. They want it to be exclusive. So we have exclusive right to air Yankees games in the New York metro area. And there's no way in hell they're going to, they're going to say, okay, well, next time we renegotiate, we'd really like to sell Yankees games to, well, this is different because the MLB app kind of has rights of everything. Maybe Yankees are a bad example. I don't know about sports to say this, but anything, any television show or any type of thing like that, the people who are currently making money for it don't want other people to be able to make money for it, especially if the goal of other people is to make customers stop subscribing to television, right? And so the, the great white hope of the Apple television set has almost nothing to do with the television set, almost nothing to do with technology and everything to do with Will they magically come on stage and say, we have reached a critical mass of content? We've got local news. We've got your local sports team. We've got the NFL. We've got Major League Baseball. We've got all your shows. Uh, we've got first-run movies. That the, the, the second they come out in the theater, you can watch them on, on your television. Like All sorts of fantasy scenarios where it would suddenly make a whole bunch of people say... I'm not paying 80 bucks for Comcast a month anymore. I'm going to buy this Apple television set and just buy internet access from Comcast, which is kind of a shame that the same company still gets to sell you your internet access because Apple's not on that business, right? And then I'll watch everything on my Apple television set because it's cheaper. It's a la carte. I can watch it whenever I want. I don't have to wait. Like if the, if the current new episode of Fringe is on, I can watch it when everyone else is watching it. Uh, but my, my TV doesn't have to record it if I come in an hour later and I want to watch Fringe an hour later. It's ready for me because Apple's got them day and date, you know, when they air on the television set. Uh, and slowly that model, you know, Apple would want that model to fade away. And it's just like, well, we dole out a new episode of Fringe every week. And it comes out at like midnight, you know, Eastern time. So if you were crazy, you know, they're no longer a scheduled stream of shows and no longer a concept of prime time, but merely a big a la carte menu of things you can choose to watch. Uh, that, I think, would get people to buy an Apple television set. But I also think that's, that's not going to happen. 
there's just no way that Apple can get a critical mass of television shows. Uh, now, they could do the foot in the door thing where they say, okay, currently there's X percentage of people in the U.S. who only subscribe to Netflix or who only watch uh, iTunes stuff on Apple TV. Can we double that percentage? Make it from 0.01% to 0.02%. Uh, you know, a little bit at a time. We'll get a few more shows. We'll get a little more. And that's the thing that the Gruber was talking about where the, he was saying the future of television is not channels but apps, right? So you've got the MLB app, right? And if you, if you had a the Bloomberg TV app. What if you get the NFL app? Instead of having channels have apps. So that, that's, it's a strange way to, to reimagine television as a series of applications. I, I think that's not really an appropriate model. Kind of like when they used to have books in, in the app store and each book was an individual application. That's not the way to do that, right? The iBook store, the Kindle store, you know, iBook store is the best example because at least you can buy the thing from within the app. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a better way to do it. And shoehorning into an app isn't great. But the concept is the same, that the people who own these contents would decide we're going to invest in making an application or whatever you have to make so that our content is available to iOS users or to people, to users of this new Apple TV set. Uh, and they're already doing, you know, with the MLB app and stuff and the, and the Bloomberg app, they're already doing that for iOS devices. Uh, a couple of people have said, well, what if they just build in like a little Apple TV box and then you airplay them from the devices you can already get them at? So that I think that's not the seamless integrated experience that Steve Jobs was uh, describing in that thing, especially with the syncing with iCloud and everything. I think he wants you to sit down. And, I don't think he wants you to pull up your iPad or your iPod Touch and airplay stuff over that by launching the NFL app. I think he wants you to sit down in front of the thing and be able to see everything that's available, including things that are currently happening now, assuming they have live TV, and choose from that. I don't think he wants you to bring a a menagerie of other devices close to your dumb, relatively dumb television set and airplay them onto it just like you would onto a television with with an Apple TV right now. So, so I'm kind of... Uh, and the other thing is where he's got the I cracked it quote and he's like, I, we finally figured out what it yeah. is. I'm sure he thinks that. Uh, I'm sure he thought the same thing when he made the iPod Hi-Fi, right? That the number of things that he's been excited about and the things he's finally cracked the problem it's not a guarantee that he has, right? Uh, or that Apple has. Or that, you know, they tried it out and it didn't actually work. He may be, he's excited about a lot of things. But a lot, but, you know, only some of those things are successful in the market. And I think uh, the things that he's excited about have always been filtered through the lens of the rest of the company being for or against it. I haven't gotten, I'm still about like a quarter of the way through the book, so I haven't gotten to the later chapters. But all the leaked things I've seen on the, on the web have uh, made me think that later you'll see instances where Steve Jobs is either not for or adamantly against a move that we all think was brilliant and it turned out to be uh, really important for the company. Uh, because, you know, Steve Jobs is not, the company is not just one person. Um, so we see the successes of Apple and occasionally, you know, things that sneak through that aren't successes, but who knows how many things that he's been excited about internally that were really dumb and would not have worked or things that he opposed that turned out to be awesome. All right. I don't want to cite specific examples. Then again, I've gotten at that point in the book, but, uh, when he says that he thinks there's an interface that's really awesome, I'm sure he does think it's awesome, but he's not the average consumer. And as the things that he finds awesome diverge from the things that regular people find awesome, that the success rate of the products go down. Like, I'm sure he did replace his stereo with an iPod Hi-Fi, but the rest of the world didn't, right? Or the G4 Cube, for another example. He thought it was so awesome, it would definitely be worth that amount of money. The rest of the world disagreed. Uh but the iPhone really was awesome enough that people, you know, hooked onto it. So 
I'm not so convinced that just because Steve Jobs was excited about this and they finally solved the problem for Apple Television that it's going to be a big a big deal. And the way to check for this is to see when the hobby light goes off. Right? You know, Apple TV is just a hobby. They're constantly lowering expectations. You know, we're not going to sell as many of these as we sell iOS devices. Uh, we haven't figured out how to way to make money. We're not expecting people to immediately cancel their cable television and just buy Apple TVs because they didn't. A lot of people bought them, more people than when it was 300 bucks, but they didn't, uh, they didn't replace their television sets with them. Uh, so if Apple comes out with a television set and Steve Jobs is saying, I cracked it, I think he thinks that when they field the product that incorporates these things that he thinks are so awesome, it's going to do much, much better than the existing Apple TV. Like it's, it's, going, to, it's going to sell in more numbers, it's going to make them more money, it's going to be the start of something big. Uh, and the ways to do that is you can you can start a platform, you can sell applications for it, or you can make a, you can finally start stealing customers from cable. Uh, and, and the final part about stealing customers from cable, I make as I mentioned before, is that most people get their internet access through the cable companies, oh, and the same people who sell them television. Those people want to sell you telephone, television, and internet access. And if it turns out that people suddenly start buying Apple TV, Apple still is at the mercy of those people because those people can say, oh, oh so you, you don't want to do our triple play, which they all call it, you know, phone, television, whatever. You just want to have internet access or internet access and phone. All right, so the price for that will actually be more expensive than what you're doing now. You know, or, or the price from that will be $5 less than what you're doing now. But, oh, you know, once you get out of our triple play thing, you know, they can do so many things with the pricing, not even getting into the whole conspiracy theory of like they're going to slow down traffic to the Apple the special Apple television set. If they can tell it's Netflix, they're going to, you know, throttle it or the, all those shenanigans, which they get into trouble for, with for the SEC and all that, you know, lobbyist business. Even ignoring that, they can just say, oh, fine, we're just going to we're just, you know, if you don't buy a triple play, it's actually more expensive for you. So you might as well just get this thing. And now don't you feel dumb connecting a television that can't even read the cable television shows that you're getting, especially if Apple doesn't come out of the gate with a 100% solution. Like, well, I can watch most things on my new Apple TV set, but when I want to watch this particular show, I have to watch it on HBO. Uh, you know, that's a bad example because I have an app, but, you know, or whatever the show is, I, I have to watch uh, Doctor Who on BBC America unless I want to wait a day after it's aired. And I don't like waiting a day, so I really don't want to buy a TV that can't even show the stuff that my cable box is putting out. Well, why don't you just cancel the cable box and you won't be tempted? Well, they'll charge me more. So, this is a tough, tough nut to crack, to crack there. And that's why I think everyone keeps going towards applications because that's, that's something that the cable companies don't have an answer for. Where It's like, well, the reason I want the Apple TV is because it runs apps and they're awesome for some reason that none of us can, <laughs> can think of. But it's something that's not answerable. The cable companies are not going to field an app store. The cable companies cannot make a platform like iOS. They cannot recruit developers. They simply cannot. Like technically it's possible, but realistically, that's so far from their competency whatever their competency may be, it just, just forget it. It's not going to happen. So well, I've got, I've got a question for you about this and hang, hang on, let's do our second sponsor. It's tinyletter.com. This is a great, this is a simple newsletter app for people with something to say. There are no HTML templates. There's no sign up and bank code. There's no API. Each account, it's just one mailing list. You just write and send. It's simple. It's personal. And best of all, it's totally free. How do, you, how do you get this? You go to tinyletter.com. You sign up. You start writing. That's it. Tinyletter.com. Simple. Could it be easier than that? I don't think it could be. I like the name. It reminds me of Tiny Wing. Tiny, Tiny Wings? Tiny Wing. I never know if it's plural or singular. I think it's singular. so much of that game. Tinyletter.com. Not Tiny Wing. They did not sponsor. Shame on no. them. But Tiny Letter did, and it's also a cute name. 
So what if Apple really doesn't care how often people buy these things? Because again, this is the biggest argument, the biggest strike against this, which you were, you were getting to this, or you actually address this to some degree. Look at your cinema display sitting on your desk. I'm assuming you don't, you don't use anything but a cinema display at home. You are correct. So how old is this? I'm looking at the 23-inch uh, aluminum with the white sides. Right. And previous to that, I had the 22-inch with the one with the clear legs. Now, this one that I have here, I believe, is the 24-inch LED. They didn't do a smaller than the 24 LED, did they? Uh, I don't think I think that did. was the first LED one. It was also the first glass front. Yeah, I think that was the first LED yeah. back with so, I still consider this this screen to be new. To me, this is the new display. And I bought this the instant that those things came out. Uh, you know, it, this is still my new one. Yeah, and think, like, does it look worse than it did when you first bought it? Looks it looks the same, right? Because it's an LED, in theory, it should never fade. It should never, you know, get dim or anything. It looks great. It looks beautiful. I love it, and I, I can come up with no reason why I would want to replace this right now. I can't think of a reason why. Uh, the, the new ones are simply too large. They're ridiculous. They're embarrassing. Uh, and now here come the emails from people who, well, I need them because, well, fine. Then if you need to get it. For me, this is perfect. I have no, I have no plans to ever replace this thing uh, until it dies. And... The TV that we have in the other room, we've got a, uh, I believe it's a 46-inch Samsung TV. We've talked about this a little bit. Same situation there. Until that thing, until that thing dies and stops working completely, I have no plans to replace that. I'm, I'm almost embarrassed that uh, we have such a large TV in our house. And, and it's, it's fine. It's plenty big. It's a good TV. I, I have no need to replace it now. I'll say this, if Apple came out with, with an Apple television set, I would buy it uh, because we anticipate that it would do all the things that you mentioned it would have to do. Well, no, but, I, but which of those things would be enough for you to buy it? Because I, I already said that like, I don't think they can ever I, get enough content to make people switch it. You still have a cable subscription, right? Unfortunately, I do. Right, and so... Are you like kind of on just on the edge of being able to ditch that cable? Do you think? No, or are uh, no you still... way, no way, not even close. Yeah, so mm, it would take us. You're more closer to the mainstream uh, that it would take a substantial amount of content for you to flip over. Like there are some things that you need, like you need NFL, I guess, uh, and and certain other shows that you wouldn't want to wait until the day after to watch Fringe or whatever, right? Well, and here here's the thing. I have ditched cable, and we did it. I've done that twice now where we went a period of time, whether it was a month or a few months without it. And, you know, maybe, maybe if you don't have kids, uh, it's, it's easier to do that. Maybe if you don't have kids and you don't, ca- you don't care about sports and you don't, there aren't television shows that you enjoy watching when they're new. Marco had two, had three out of three of those, but soon he's going to have two out of three. So I know. we'll see if that changes. <laughs> there are a lot of people who will say that we don't like for our kids to watch regular TV anyway. We like to, I won't use the word control, but we like to strongly influence what our kids watch and we provide them with the programming of our choice. Or then you have the, the, the real, the people who really look down your, their nose at you and say, well, 
our kids don't watch TV. Well, see, the thing is, on that particular topic, having cable, which I've always had and never even thought of ditching, simply for my own needs, I have too many shows that I want to watch that, and I want to watch them day of because I'm a stickler, right? Yeah. So, but my children have never, ever just watched television, quote unquote, as in sitting down in front of it. And they don't even know channels exist. The only things they watch are things that I record on the DVR for them. And that's all they have to choose from. That's it. Movies that I buy and television shows that I record. So, for, for example, my son, it's easier for the first child, I think, for his first several years of life, he only ever watched educational programming from PBS. Like, that's the only shows he knew existed, mm-hmm. right? As he gets older, it's hard to, like, hold the line on that because kids want to watch, you know, he wants to watch Star Wars, The Clone Wars, which is not educational. And so, you know, when he's, like, five, I let him watch his first non-educational program. But with the second kid, she sees him watching Clone Wars and, you know, so then she wants to watch it and stuff like that. But still, it's shows that I select. It's not... Which is why, for example, they've never seen Spongebob and neither have I because I'm not, I don't think that's a good show. All right. Uh, so you can have a cable subscription and still 100% control every piece of media that your children see, how long they see it, what they see, everything about it. You just have a, a larger menu of things to choose from. Because we get like 70 PBS stations. So I can just set the thing up to like save, save uh, the most eight episodes of, you know, uh, Super Y and... Just always have that queue rotating in new episodes. So any television in the house they can go to, they can go up there and pick one of the shows that we've said is acceptable for them and just watch it whenever right, they so want. Right. So what you're saying is you can still control that. Yeah, whole it's thing. not. You don't just because you have the big fire hose doesn't mean you ever need to have anyone sit in front of it, children or adults. Right. So even even the people who anyway, those are the three criteria that I would say uh, have brought us back. One of the big ones is, you know, when a new episode of Boardwalk Empire comes out, you know what? I'd like to watch that. I don't I don't necessarily want to wait until the entire season is available to be downloaded on iTunes. I don't download them illegally uh, through the torrents or whatever. I did, you know, I, that's that's extra trouble I don't need. I'll pay money so that they're there and available when I want them to be, for example. And that that's just one of a handful of shows. I We actually don't watch... The adults in the house don't watch a whole lot of TV. And a lot of what we do watch comes from Netflix via the Apple TV. A lot of what we do watch uh, are are programs that we've DVR'd. The only live TV that I personally watch really ever uh, are sporting events. You know, I watch watch Major League Baseball. I watch NFL. I'm aware that there are some other sports out there. I don't really watch them. I do watch golf sometimes. Uh, So... You know, for for somebody like me, I don't I don't even want I don't really even want to watch a sporting event DVR. I would rather miss the first half and watch it live. It's just the way I am, or catch up really fast if I have to. Uh, so for somebody like me, you know, ditching cable, yes, there, yes, I could get like an antenna, or I could get the very most basic cable, or I could keep the coax plugged into the television and use it as a as an antenna. Okay, you, you know, like I get all that, and in fact, yes, I've done that. I've tried that. I've done that, and the experience was not what we wanted and it created more hassle. Yeah. And, that, and that's what people are looking for is a, a better situation because we, yeah. we all, you know, if you could just snap your fingers, say, what would I want? I w- obviously people have to produce content. So we understand that there will be delay in producing content. We don't want to say like, I want to see the whole doctor who season right on day one. Well, they have to make the shows. So there will always be some sort of time stream release of content. Right. But beyond what is necessary for the creation of the content and maybe what is necessary for the idea of doling it out slowly so that it's not, you know, 
So you, all your friends haven't watched the entire season of Doctor Who on the first day because they stayed up all night and watched 13 <laughs> hours of TV, right? Right. But beyond simply doling stuff out as a periodical, everything else, we just say, I just want to watch it when I want to watch it. I don't want any commercials. Like, we all know what our demands are. And it's just how well are the products serving our needs? So for us to buy a different product or do a different thing, we want it to be better for us, not worse. And so you've tried the cable thing. And for the, the content that you want, it was more of a hassle. So you go back, right? Um, and to the degree that Apple can get critical mass of content that changes people's minds about that, that's that's how many consumers they can get. And now, it, obviously, this is the convincing factor, too. But once you see your friend is like, oh, hey, I ditched it. And I'm, you know I would never ditch real cable. But I, I actually ditched cable for this Apple thing because they have enough content that it's finally crossed my threshold. And we all have our own thresholds of what things we want to see. Right? Uh, so, but I think uh, that there's no way they can have enough content to come out of the gate and and sell a lot of Apple TVs based on the content deals. Now, what you were saying before, I think, is that, well, so what? So what? What if they want to come out and do the slow burn? Like, if you look at the iPod growth, it was a slow burn. It was Mac only. It was this weird thing. Even Mac users didn't know what to think of it. And for the first year or two or three of the iPod, it wasn't, you know, it was like, it didn't do a hockey stick. I mean, it didn't do like the iPad where it comes out of the gate and just they sell them like crazy. It's right. like hot kicks, right? That. So if they don't, if they come out with this thing and it's only, and content is their angle, they're not going with like apps because they haven't figured out some awesome way to deal with like traditional applications or games in a way that's nice. And only a few people buy it because like you, they, they crossed over like one or two other people's threshold for acceptability of content. And then the next year they get a few more deals and the next year they get a few more deals. Like they could do that slow burn type thing, but unless they keep labeling it as a hobby, they, they're going to get slammed by everybody if they do that in terms of like uh you know apple no one comes out and says well apple tv is a failure you know because they always oh it's a hobby you know it's not a big deal we make money on it it's not you know but look people it's a distraction people are like, yeah yeah you saw apple tv tell us more about your iphones and ipads and the things that really make you the money right but if they say this is it this is going to be the i don't know what the fourth leg in our stool the fifth i don't know how many legs i think they have in their <laughs> stool now but like this is going to be a pillar of our company we think you know and they come out of the gate and it does that slow burn thing. They're like, oh, then analysts are going to be like, oh, Apple's television set flounders in the market. It's only got 0.02% market share and most people still have cable and blah, blah, blah. So that's that's a tough way to go. If they keep calling it a hobby, they could say, we've changed our hobby to selling little $99 boxes to selling $2,000 television sets or $1,500 television sets or whatever. And they keep saying it's a hobby. People could watch it like in the earnings calls with Tim Cook for for years now, anytime the, the analysts have talked about, well, when is Apple TV not going to be a hobby? Or they ask the obligatory Apple TV question, and he'll be like, oh, it's still a hobby, blah, blah, blah. But his big phrase is, we think there's something there, saying we as an Apple. This was before Jobs was gone. You know, he was speaking up. Um, Jobs didn't do the earnings calls that much in his later years, unless it was a special reason for him to be there. We think there is something there in the television market. I think we all think there's something there. The, the analysts think there's something there. The consumers, Apple... We know that it's a situation that sucks for reasons that have nothing to do with technology. It sucks because of incumbents with too much power and content owners and stupid FCC and government and that whole big melange of corruption and influence and anti-consumer sentiment and just everything about it is horrible. That's why Apple sees it as like, it, you know, it's a problem or it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to, there's a big upside there if we can figure out how to do what we did to the phone market, which was suck the value away from the people who previously got all the things, selling their stupid ringtones for 10 bucks and only letting in a few cruddy applications. We can, we can make them into a dumb pipe and g give us all the profit, right? They want to do that same thing with television. Uh, it's going to be much harder. Uh, and I, I have trouble envisioning anything they can feel that will, that will come out of the gate like an iPad or even like an iPhone 
and be as successful at stealing the profits of the television watching industry as the other things. So as excited jobs, when jobs is excited, I don't think he's excited about a business model. He's probably excited about a hardware piece of software or an interface method. And that may all be great or it may be so, so like I'll bet he was excited about Siri too. And I think Siri is a big deal. And everyone I've seen with iPhone 4S is, is excited about Siri and the excitement wears off and it still is a useful feature. So, but that's, it's incremental. If you just say it's like a regular television set with an Apple TV attached, but it's got Siri that's not going to do it either. So I am pretty pessimistic about the prospects of an Apple television set. I, I see exactly how it could be done. I just don't, I think the things that will make it happen are not under Apple's control. Apple can't like, they don't have an army. They can't force content owners to give them content. They can't, you know, they, they can't kick out the incumbents and say, we're going to use your wires, but not pay you anything other than for being dumb, you know, pipes to the household. You know, this, I don't know. I'm I'm not that excited about an Apple TV, and I don't have great hopes for it. But I will be very, very happy to be, to be proven wrong. I, I I would love to see this, but like I said, I would I would I will buy this if they come out with it. If for no other reason than I anticipate that the uh, the integration will be will be nice. It will be an attractive TV. You need a new TV anyway. Like I need it. I, I don't I need a new like TV. Twenty three inch twenty three inch monitor. I would like a twenty seven inch, like my wife has. I don't need a but new one, it, but not so much that I bought a new one, right? So it's like, yeah, you know, forty six inch TV. I could get a fifty five inch one right now, and it wouldn't be that much, and it would look nicer. But do you need it that much? It's like, yeah, this TV's fine, right? So my computer monitor. Next time I get a new computer, I'll probably buy a new monitor with it. But it's like, well, you got a much better computer. I just keep using my old monitor, so I've used this monitor with a couple of computers. So the television thing. I think you're already on the edge because you've got an older TV. It's it's not massively big. Uh, these days, it's hard to find anything under 50 inches. So you might be like, yeah, I'll get a new one. I mean, I, c- I could. It would, it would be an extravagance. Uh, but would you buy the new Apple TV if they said, oh, and by the way, uh, there's there's no other inputs. There's no way to connect anything to it. Uh, you can't even watch Blu-rays on it. There's no inputs to switch between. If you pay for cable, tough luck. There's no place where it plugs in. You connect an Ethernet cable or Wi-Fi. And that's it. Now, would you buy the Apple TV? Yep. You'd still get it. Would it replace your regular television? Because now, you know, what are you going to do for kids shows? You could say, well, we can only get what's on the iTunes store. Well, I, I have Netflix uh, for that. Well, I, am I well, going to Well, how would you Netflix? watch the Netflix? Is what I'm saying. You're, gonna, you're saying be, that it's not going to preserve the same functionality of the existing Apple TV and provide me with Netflix? See, Netflix is a weird thing if you think about it. Because remember we just talked Listen, about... Listen, let me just tell you, there's only two things plugged into this TV right now. One of them is the Apple TV. And the other one is the stupid DVR that they force us to use. Yeah. If you could, if you could make, if the Apple TV was the Apple TV, then that's one gone. And if the, if the Apple TV itself let us watch the things that we want to watch, whether it was with a cable card, whether it was with some other magical thing that Apple figures out how to do, uh, then that's, that's the DVR box gone. So what else is left? We don't have a Blu-ray player. But the, but we don't Netflix have a DVD thing, though, player. Think about that, though. We just talked about how Apple does not want to be another layer on top of a thing. It, Apple put Netflix in the Apple TV, but I don't think they like the idea of, okay, Netflix goes out there and negotiates to get the content, and then we negotiate with Netflix to be put inside of devices. And then, you know, it's like layers upon layers sucking up profit, and then it's very easy for the profit suddenly to shift to Netflix and away from Apple for that. Obviously, Apple again, Apple makes its money on the hardware, so they're like, like if this is what we have to do to put the content I I, on our yeah. thing. I, I'll tell you what, if anything, I think I think Apple TV has the potential to prop up Netflix right now more than the other way around. That's just my thought on it. But I'll tell you what else. 
the fewer boxes, the fewer things I have to plug in. Again, I'll say I have no Blu-ray player. I've never owned one. I don't own one. I have no gaming consoles. That will change when my kids are older. Uh, but I have none plugged in un- unless the Apple TV handles something there. But uh, what I'm saying is this. If Apple can solve a handful of these problems and create a better television viewing environment, even if it's just the user interface that gets better, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm, I'm probably weird in that I don't have any game consoles and I don't have any, uh, you know, Blu-ray or DVD players or anything, but it's just a, who needs that? Well, you know what? I'm, I, I'd rather just sit down with my family, watch something to, and have fun watching a show. I don't, I don't you know, I'm not going to sw- Oh, there was an artifact and the such and such HD signal on the sci-fi HD uh, channel uh, was, you're, make, you're making fun of me complaining about it. Yeah. AMC, who cares AMC? if the signal's no, compressed? Really so what you if would, it's compressed? Who cares? You could you, you, could you see the people's faces when they were talking? Could you see the laser Sometimes beam? Barely. <laughs> could you see Thor, you know, smashing his hammer over the guy's head or whatever you were watching? I'm, you know, I'm sure you could, it was fine. A regular human being would have probably looked at oh. it and said, "Hey, this looks 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 great. No, what a nice TV you have, John." So you're talking about the uh, the simplicity factor. That's another reason I think people people are annoyed with the current Apple TV because of this. You're like, "Look, I just want to see the show. I don't care if it's on Netflix. I don't care if it's on oh, Amazon. I don't show. care where it's available. I just want to find the show. If is it is it available on iTunes? Look, I now got to go to Netflix before I pay for those iTunes things. Let me check on Netflix to make sure I can't get it for free there and all that business." That's a lack of simplicity, which is, again, why I think about the idea of, you know, an Apple TV being suitable for you. It's like, well, I assume Netflix will be there. But what if that's the whole thing? An integrated, simplified experience without, like, this other place to check. Don't all, you know, there's iTunes, there's Netflix, and then there's the NFL app, and then there's the MLB app, and then there's the Bloomberg app, and there's the CNN app. And, you know, I think they want something unified. I, I think you want something unified. I don't think you want to be hunting around, you know, the PBS app to get okay, your but hang on a second. Hang on a second. What's the difference between the NFL app and saying, oh, wait a minute, which channel has the NFL game? Is it, yeah, okay, this one is on ESPN. Well, so that's, that's what DVR solve you from, supposed a good DVR that, they, would but, solve you from doing that. You well, just say, I don't I'm have a good Cowboys DVR. games. I don't care where they air. Find them and record them for me. Well, I would I would actually say, please never show me a Cowboys but games I, unless I it's keep, one of the two I can't keep track with who Eagles, like uh, Cowboys games, which are usually Monday night games, one home and, and one away. That would be the exception to the the time I would want yeah, to see a Cowboys game. Sports are one instance where I think the app model can work, though, because it's like, look, it's the NFL app. It's where all the football is. And the MLB app is where the baseball yeah, is. Yeah, I like that. You know? I like that. To me, but to it, me, that's nice. That's like the MLB channel. Like, well, it's the Fox app. You got to remember that Fringe is on Fox. Do I care that Fringe is on Fox? Unlike Gruber, I have no memory of what shows are on what stations. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't care what stations they're on. I don't care what days they air. I don't care anything about them. If I like a show, I want to see the show. And that's why the iTunes store is like, you just search for Fringe. You don't, iTunes doesn't say, I mean, I'm sure somewhere on the iTunes page it does this fringe now airing on Fox or whatever, but it's not like you go to the Fox section of the iTunes video store, you know, and say, oh, here's the Fox section, here's all the Fox shows, and I have to do a separate search for the, the ABC section, right? A unified experience that stops this idea of, uh, you know, channels and airtimes or, or even venues. Netflix is like a venue for getting something like a, a different middleman. Amazon is a different middleman than Netflix is a middleman and Apple itself is a middleman. A unified experience is, I think, what Apple wants and what everybody wants. And continuing to have a Netflix app and an Amazon app and an iTunes app is not good. I think you could have a unified experience if, you, if it's all apps. Like, just, you know, the only way you can get... There's no Netflix app because Netflix is like... It's like nesting dolls. Like, so you've got Apple TV and then inside it, there's another Apple TV called Netflix <laughs> where you have... You know what I mean? <laughs> I where do know what you mean. There's a whole list of things in there, right? At least they don't go more than two levels deep. But 
because the NFL app is more like, well, that's just, you know, imagine if you just had Apple TV and all it was was individual applications for for either shows or for uh, for sports leagues, right? That's pretty much the most level people would tolerate because they wouldn't, you know, say, well, I don't like the fact it's an NFL app. I want an Eagles app. No, the NFL app is fine. You can find the Eagles games that you want. You know what I mean? But people don't want a Fox app. That is, that's too far. That's like, well, didn't we just come from this with the channel thing? It seems dumb. Like, I don't care what channel it's on because then, and especially with the deal with search, like, how do I search? You'd want, if there's going to be an NFL app and an MLB app, you'd still want some sort of overall interface where you just do a search. Apple would call it a spotlight search for no reason. Do a search and search for Cowboys and you'd expect the Cowboys games to come up. Sorry with the Cowboys example again. And you'd also expect TV shows about Cowboys to come up, right? A, un- a universal search. So you don't have these little uh, islands of things. Uh, but that scenario is even more difficult to pull off because then you've got to get individual applications for all of the content that's going to reach you to some sort of critical mass that's going to make somebody new buy this thing, someone who previously didn't ditch their cable subscription, make them ditch it and get this thing and get the cooperation from all that, you know, like it, you say, okay, if you want to make an application for our Apple TV set, it can't be like your existing apps. You have to provide, you have to hook into some universal thing where we can keep track of what you're, what you're providing, what shows are available in the NFL app, what shows are available in this and you feed it into us and then we make it all available through universal search, through our iCloud infrastructure. And, you know, that's different than what they're doing now, which is like, you know, MLB can make an app and you can't search inside that MLB app. There's, they're not talking to Apple and telling some master server what baseball games are airing when, right? Uh, so that I think that's the model that, that people want, and that's, that's like the minimum they need to make this app model work is some sort of centralized thing that eliminates this uh, nesting doll island problem. Nesting doll island. I don't know. Maybe nesting doll is a bad example. I just saw, I just saw a... Uh, I think it's a good one funny graphic of a nesting doll thing or some cartoon on the net. It was like a, a nesting doll laying down on a table to get a uh, like an ultrasound, like you do uh, to see the ba- picture of the baby and the doctor is holding the ultrasound thing on the on the stomach of the nesting doll and on the screen you see a picture of a doctor holding uh, the ultrasound thing on the stomach of a nesting doll in front of a screen that has a picture of a doctor holding the stomach thing on the nesting doll. That's right. I just described a visual joke. There's a new frontier in <laughs> podcasting. I'll put that in the show notes. All right. Marlon could have pulled that off. I can't. I think it did fine. Yeah. So that's about it, though. We're about 90 yes, minutes yes, in. That's a good show. Too much. I, I, so for, I wanna, so I for a show... One more thing before you wrap up. Well, I was just going to say, so for, for a show where you were, you were not prepared for it, you had no notes, you had no links, you were expecting a guest, I think you did okay. Well, I, television stuff is an unlimited font of anger for me, and I bring this up <laughs> because yes, yesterday during... I think it was during Gruber's podcast yesterday. Was that yesterday? Yes. Uh, so there was someone in the chat room who was actually an employee of TiVo. That's true. We were talking about TiVo stuff. And it was as soon all as I you saw to keep myself you know, just, because it's not, it's you're not, coming apart. Control the company. He's not the CEO, right? You don't want to yell at individual employees. Like, and he basically agreed with anything, all the complaints I had to say, but he can't, you know, I know what it's like to work. You can't just go in there like, oh, because you work with Deer to yell at you because I don't like anything about TiVo, right? And he was very helpful and wanted to say, hey, you know, you can contact me privately and what we can talk about. But it's like, it's not, it's not his fault. He's not the CEO. He's not running the company. But it's all I could do from just being like, like, finally, you know, contact was, was kind of like Apple where it's like a black hole where I fill out all these TiVo surveys and I can play in on the podcast. But it's like nothing happens. Like there's no engagement with TiVo about what the problems are. And so I had to, you know, keep myself from just like haranguing this poor person who was very nice in the chat room to, to 
tolerate my annoying typing about stuff. So that's why I think I had no problem talking about things here. Now, if you think I was angry about uh, the the television stuff and Apple TV, I am just as upset about the Steve Jobs bio. So if we do get to do a show on that, even if Marco and John have both talked about it ad infinitum and said exactly what I'm going to say, I'm going to say it too. Uh, and then we have the the guest wildcard situation. The guest has contacted me during the show, and so I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we'll try to reschedule. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Syracusa on Twitter. I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. We have two sponsors, tinyletter.com, squarespace.com slash 5 by 5 Emotionship is the discount there. You can check out all of the other shows that we do and previous episodes of this show by going to 5by5.tv. If you haven't been there in a while, there's a bunch to see. John Syracuse is on like eight, eight or nine shows now, quickly catching up to me. What else you got? I think that's it. All right. Well, have a good week, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.